for uh, such a long time. And we have a fleet of people that are praying for you. We're trusting that God is going to spark something. I hope you feel that. He's going to spark something in here that's going to ignite and bring him glory all over the world. And we can't wait to watch uh, and just and, and once you know we're behind you. So it is my honor not only just to welcome you, but to welcome a good friend of mine, Dr. Florence Mwindi. Dr. Florence Mwindi is the founder of Life in Abundance out of Nairobi, Kenya. She and her husband, Festus, close to 30 years ago, started. She's a doctor. He's a doctor. They started just serving the poor and vulnerable uh, and the, of the Maasai tribe there in Kenya and then just kept watching God open new doors as God led them over into Ethiopia to serve uh, with a community there and began to work with different types of people. Lord started teaching them about transformational communities, started teaching them about sustainability and how to really partner with a local church to bring change. And so not only is she brilliant, and literally if I went through what I should tell you about her, we would be here all day. The amount of things this woman has done and the way that God has used her um, have been unbelievable. And she's she's not tall in stature, but she is a giant to me, and she's my friend. And so I am honored to introduce you to somebody that means the world to me, and more importantly, means a whole lot to this guy up here, and he has used her in powerful ways. Can't wait for you to hear her. Please welcome Dr. Florence Wendy. Well, good afternoon, good evening. I'm so, so glad to be with us today. Um, What beautiful worship. I am reminded of the words of a common hymn, Reflect on that with me. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Uh, The songwriter goes on to say things like, Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel your Holy Spirit truly knows that you are mine. He goes on to say, fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing uh, fall on me. And it's that becoming fully the Lord's. The songwriter again states, now I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory uh, to his name. And he concludes by saying, I surrender all. Praise the Lord. Surrender demands our all, and it's the starting point, and actually the only way to be on mission for his kingdom. For him to truly guide us, and for his will to be done through us, it takes surrender. And it's only as a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Can there be discipleship, missions, mission or living, and even meaningful fruit? I remember the night 
I understood self-surrender. And it led me to dethrone myself and to enthrone Christ in my life. And that came several years after following him as Lord and Savior. That night, November 19th, 1981, I remember it because it undid me. The one that I had known as Savior became my Lord. And I became a disciple and entered into a covenant with Christ, allowing him to own me and to use me whatever way, wherever, for his glory. That, I later came to realize, is the acceptance of a missional lifestyle. It is that place where it's no longer us who live, but Christ lives in us. The amazing outcome of that act for me was I began to hear the voice of God and understand him, and I confirm his disciples get to hear his voice. We get to discern his will, and then it becomes a reality when he invites us and says, I will be with you to the end of the age. It was three years after that surrender that the Lord clarified for me what journey I was to take on my missional service. What sealed the destination for me was a picture in the daily newspapers of a woman with a child. It was the age of newspapers. And there was a sweeping famine in the East African region and There were so many pictures in the media showing the devastating impact of that prolonged drought. Pictures of starving people, of destitute people, of people who were so hopeless. And what broke my heart to this day was that picture of a destitute mother wearing what looked like rags, standing on dry and cracked ground in northern Ethiopia, holding a baby so malnourished to the level that the little baby looked like a little old man. You could literally count his ribs. And both mother and child were wasted with sunken eyes, standing alone, obviously desperate for help. That picture defined my calling. Because how can one see that and not hear the words of Jesus saying, go make disciples of all nations, go to the least of these. For I was hungry, you gave me to eat, I was sick, and you treated me. Whatever you do to the least of these, my brothers, you do it for me. As God made way, I soon joined medical school with one focus, to be equipped as a medical doctor so I can go where that woman stood and put my hands around her and let her know she is loved by my father and that we can walk together until she is empowered, until her dignity is restored. And that commitment inspired me in all the anatomy and biochemistry classes, in those disparaging clinical rounds when a medical student knows nothing. That picture kept my focus. And today, 
Today, the Ministry of Life in Abundance I serve with can tell stories of thousands of mothers empowered to care for their children with dignity and joy, restored both spiritually and physically, and equipped to teach others and others. Life in Abundance International was formed out of that initial humble beginning, and today Life in Abundance has over 150 people on staff who are nationals in the 14 program countries where we serve and we are on mission together. I testify of God's faithfulness and the fulfillment we know and live with when we give our all to him, when that journey of missions is enabled by that surrender to a father who demands our all. It's possible to count the cost and continually accept the cost, even when the fellowship of his suffering is in the cup. And in that, he gives us what is of eternal perspective, what is of eternal returns. That is missions, that is a missional lifestyle. You know, it's just the simple steps. One after another, following after him who calls and who is so faithful. Because I stepped out from medical practice to actualize medical missions 28 years ago. I was a young doctor then, a young mother with a six-month baby and a four-year-old son. And my husband Festus and I affiliated with a mission agency. We left Nairobi. We went to work with the Maasai. And after the initial two years, we transitioned to Ethiopia, where we felt the Lord had initially invited us, and that was our destination. It was after an initial time of serving the leprosy affected in what was then a poor slum in Addis Ababa, the Lord in his own kindness taught me the model of equipping the local church and facilitating that bride of Christ to be the agent of missions. The next step was a strategy that shifted. The local church became the center of my missional core, and equipping her became the model of missions that the Lord was inviting me to take. So training and capacitating the local churches to serve the poor, and the vulnerable, a model of ministry that immediately began to grow and expand the work beyond my direct efforts. Today, Life in Abundance has empowered about 2,000 local churches in the nation, and this is done through that structured three-year model where we are commissioning the churches to serve their communities, to train others, and to be able to bring transformational development that is sustainable, that is centered on a local church where God receives the glory. So about two million poor and vulnerable people have been transformed through holistic care. And I am so glad to say after the initial four years in Ethiopia, the Lord led us to serve in the very community where I had seen that woman standing. And over these years, we have seen 
20,000 people come to the knowledge of Christ, calling him Lord and Savior. This clearly is no longer my story, but a story of the LIA family, a story of our partners, a story of those that serve alongside us, and I acknowledge and celebrate what has now become our joint missional core and a journey and a joint heritage that we continually see the fruit of the work that the Lord is doing. We, we have ongoing work in 12 countries in Africa, two in the Caribbean, and the ministry support offices uh, in the UK and in Switzerland. And then we have the US team, of course. Today I share about missions and medical missions for that matter, not as somebody from outside, but as an insider. A disciple who happens to be a medical doctor. And I will spend the rest of my life in service to the people Jesus calls the least of these his brothers. That is my purpose. Sealed for me by that picture just in case I drift and lose focus. So friends, I have learned and continue to learn many lessons. God does not show you all he has in store in the beginning. And it's obedience one step at a time that reveals and unlocks the next stage to its fullness. He invites us to be spirit-led as his presence goes with us and he leads us into all things. Of importance, times and seasons belong to the Lord. He knows there are times we will need to retreat and receive comfort and healing because we will need it. He knows the world will constantly change with pandemics, economic hardships, and even wars. Times and seasons belong to him. He does this so that we can be reminded to walk in surrender, taking a posture that invites his will to be done. So continually holding our plans and passions loosely in our hands so that they can be submitted to God to align with what is pleasing and what is his perfect will. It's, it's an imperative that we partner with God other than God partnering with us. And he continues to teach me this, that I am to follow and not to lead. Continually seeking him to know what he is doing, looking up and understanding his dispensation and joining him in what he is blessing. Because times and seasons belong to God. And we journey in missions with that sensitivity of continually being aware that we are followers, not leaders. Yielding to his ways that his kingdom may come. Now talking about seasons and how he invites us to follow. In 2006, I shared from here to this conference 
that a new strategy in missions was emerging and there was then a definite paradigm shift. I was so convicted of that so strongly that the content of what I shared in 2006 went into one of my books released in 2007. The Pursuit of His, His Calling, Following in Purpose. And at that time, I shared what God was definitely blessing. And with boldness, I also shared what God was rejecting and spitting out. It's now common practice. What was emerging that time is fully in play and it's become the ministry practices that we are all part of. Change is once again the current reality we are in. It's yet a new season and God is making new wine. When I graduated from medical school just three decades ago, my country, Kenya, had only one medical school, graduating about 100 medical doctors at the end of each year. And today, it's changed to 15 medical schools graduating students in Kenya every year with specialists. Praise the Lord. Times continue to change. When Festus and I were expressing a desire to go into medical missions, our family, our colleagues, and even our church was expressing surprise and proposing to us to support evangelists other than leave our jobs and go. Just three decades ago. It was unusual for Africans then to be in cross-cultural missions, but today it's common trend with increasing measure, and it's being encouraged and it's being supported. Praise the Lord. So in 2006, I shared about this emerging strategy in missions, and 16 years later, I share with more confidence, clarity, and conviction, what is our current mission's assignment into which we are invited to understand, to embrace, and partner in alignment so that we can bear more fruit following as he leads. Because the global changes are upon us in missions, in our mission or living, in our medical missions, the landscape has totally changed. Somehow it feels like a reformation when you look at it more closely. And the mission or landscape or even medical missions are no longer normal. The trends of medical missions begins to inform us of our current missions assignment. I want to say up front, it's important to note Global North, and that's America, Europe, and Australia, has a major role to play in the Global South. And the Global South here is Latin America, Asia, Africa, Oceania. The question is, what is the role of the Global North? What is the role of the Global South? And indeed, what is our individual role that the Lord is inviting us to join him in? 
You know, as shared in last year's Lancet papers, faith-based healthcare today is still much respected, and it plays a big role in the global south, providing, for example, up to 70% of healthcare in sub-Saharan Africa. That is critical and significant. However, the delivery strategy of this healthcare is changing. The understanding of what a medical missionary is and does is also changing. As recent as the 70s, 70% of missionary doctors went either to hospitals or to clinics. Actually, medical doctors just went to clinics and hospitals. There were so few other options that that was the destination. But by 2014, less than half of doctors in cross-cultural missions were working in mission hospitals and the others were working with non-profits or even in government settings. The responsibilities of medical missionaries within their roles has also been changing, and it's increasingly changing. Doctors are now being tasked to lead, to disciple, to train, to manage in a more integrated approach. And clinical care is becoming a smaller percentage of the mission field responsibilities. More and more time of medical missionaries is being allocated to administration, to organizational leadership, to church-related responsibilities, because this is the current broader role of those called to medical missions in our days. Another change in our days is that medical missionaries are now going much later in their careers. And additionally, there is more emphasis than ever on bringing a particular skill to the current, more developed healthcare systems compared to the previous call for general practitioners. Some mission hospitals are already acknowledging they no longer have clinical nursing roles available and are open to nurses coming as trainers or coming in specialized ICU roles. It's important to note more and more doctors going into cross-cultural missions are shifting from being supported by mission agencies to self-supporting or even tent-making. So why so many drastic changes? Some of the factors include governments providing much more health care and mission hospitals falling behind because of lack of comparable funding. And then there is increased accessible, affordable health care services in the mission field, ever so much more now. And the rise of technology and improved communication in the mission field is also playing into that change. And these changes define the current scenario, but even as we move forward, it's even becoming more radical Within the next 20 years, 
I will mention three key indicators that are going to be defining further what medical missions is going to be looking like. So first, medical missions will be varied. Medical missions will be served by medical missionaries who are ready and able to be involved in every area of medicine from treating patients to setting policy. These missionaries will be increasingly coming from everywhere on the globe. And the medical teams that will be resulting in the field are so mixed nationality-wise. Uh, in some cases with nationals that are even more qualified some, than some of the missionaries arriving on the field. Medical missionaries as well as being involved in clinical needs will also be managers, writers, church leaders or even theologians. And medical missionaries will work in variety of settings from universities to small clinics and from tertiary hospitals to in the more developed nations to health centers in countries with minimal health care. And then urban ministry will be a felt need. By 2030, 5 billion people are expected to live in cities and health facilities that are affordable in urban centers will be part of a network of medical missions meeting that felt need. I highlight these to say medical missions will be diverse. And to that end, those of us called to medical missions have to be prepared for that reality. Secondly, medical missions will be visionary. Medical missionaries will not just go to places where people have always gone. For example, that usual medical missions hospital to replace that expatriate who is coming home. That is no longer inspiring or even an ongoing felt need. Opportunities call us to serve those who are neglected by the local and the global community, pioneering in areas such as responses to epidemics, to famine, to refugee care, to prisons, and disaster management. So medical missionaries will continue to be an authentic voice, respected through leadership and industry leaders and global health, thinking outside the box, engaging through technology, writing and becoming involved in the media. That is pioneering, that is innovative, that is strategic, that is visionary. That is what is inspiring. That is what we are being invited to. Medical missionaries will engage as a prophetic voice in a world where the traditional Christian ethics of medicine is becoming quickly eroded. Speaking into contemporary issues such as abortion, transhumanism, eugenics. These areas call for strategic and well-thought-out visionary solutions, and the Lord needs people who know him as Lord and who hear his voice and can carry this kingdom into places that are dark with authority and address these issues. That is what is urgent 
And that is, what is the future of medical mission? And number three, and most importantly, over the next 20 years, medical missions will be integral. It will be both holistic in partnership with the local church, and it will be addressing the whole person. Medics carry and command a key position to lead integral mission, but we must increasingly see ourselves as members of a bigger team, partnering with other actors to accomplish the care of the whole person. Because the days when a medical doctor was the hero are gone. We now get to work with lay people, with pastors, with politicians, the community leaders and other stakeholders as co-equals, submitting one to another. Additionally, as medics, we must be so clear in our theology of medical missions. We integrate our evangelism zeal with genuine compassion for people, whether they respond to Christ or not. Holistic care through the church-linked community health is the best, perhaps the only way for true integral mission to take place. There is a rapidly shifting Christendom, and this further compounds how we go, even as we reflect on the changing dynamics in medical missions. This shifting Christendom is our, in our current and upcoming mission field is even further compounding what is urgent and what is being said as our current mission's assignment. The demographic shift in Christianity from the global north to the global south is now common knowledge. It was first reported in 1970 in the International Review of Missions. There is a gradual decline of Christianity in the global north. And this is being outpaced by the rise of Christianity in the global south. This explains the rising global numbers of Christians. And whatever our missional niche is, we have to understand and embrace this shift because it significantly affects even so much more now directly how we take our mission or posture and execute our assignment in the new landscape as we recognize and follow Christ in this reality. So the question is, what really is happening in our mission fields? In the 1900s, only 18% of Christians lived in the global south. And 82% of all Christians lived in the global north. By 2020, fully two-thirds of all Christians were in the global south, with only one-third in the global north. And by 2050, it's anticipated that 77% of all Christians will live in the global south. That's about three quarters. 
This is not breaking news. This is widespread knowledge. Yet many of us are still unclear of the implications of this shift, especially concerning how it relates to shifting in our mindsets, our missional relations, and our strategies of missions. These shifts are being authenticated by research. Looking at the U.S. context, over the the last 15 years, just 15 years, the U.S. adults who identify as Christians has dropped from 78% to 63%. And over the same time, non-Christians in the U.S. has grown from 16% to 30%. And if recent trends in religious switching continue, Christians could make up less than half of the U.S. population within a few decades. This accelerating trend is reshaping the U.S. religious landscape as the critical mass declines and begins to affect the U.S. culture. Research is confirming the missional landscape we are coming from, as well as the one we are going into, is changing. And that awareness, therefore, informs us who we are going to and how we should be going, who we are sending and how we should be sending, and who we are supporting and how we can support. According to the Pew Center 2019 study, if demography is destiny, then Christianity's future lies in Africa. By 2060, a majority of Christians globally, more than 4 in 10 of the world Christians, will call sub-Saharan Africa home. And this is up from 26% in 2015. In 1910, there were about 2 million Christians in Africa. And today, there are about 650 million, with an estimated 200 million of them being evangelicals. This is indeed a mission force arising from what was clearly a mission field a few decades ago. This then has to inform how we go, how we serve, and how we partner. And additional factors which are likely to even augment and accelerate these changes include the COVID pandemic impact, which is yet to fully take effect. The global political changes and the new alliances that are coming from that the increasing racial tensions, the identity crisis, both sexual and the gender movements that are taking off, and then the immigrants' reality, and even now the war in Europe that has global implications. I want to encourage us that God is not surprised by these He has this in mind when he trains us as his disciples and invites us to go and make disciples of all nations. 
We only have to accept times and seasons belong to the Lord and when he reveals these changes to us, then our task is to submit and to walk in that understanding, engaging God for the expansion of his kingdom in his times, his way. And so the question, what then is our current mission's assignment? I'm actually excited because I think it is inspiring and it is innovative. So as I close, I will submit how we can respond to these realities. These changes present an opportunity to be engaged. For those of us who are willing, for those of us who are willing to surrender, and for those of us who are willing to be led of God into his fullness in this season, his way. I will highlight three opportunities we are presented by these changes that we can take on. The first one is we get to embrace this as an opportunity for partnerships. The growth of the church across Africa represents an opportunity. The global north can intentionally engage this to reshape and over time transform the face of Christianity globally. And this will come through partnerships. Given we are in a time when many indigenous organizations and independent churches are coming forth, the call to partner is more pronounced now than ever before. It will make us more complete wherever we serve. Because the church is already there. Nationals and national entities are positioned and culturally equipped to fulfill integral mission in their own communities, in their own countries, in their own continents. And for us, making the most of this reality by partnerships, so as to augment the capacity of these entities and strengthen those areas that could be improved for exponential impact is the opportunity in our current missions assignment. Through these partnerships, we get to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We get to be focused on what God is doing, and we get to be joining him in this wave that he is rising. These partnerships are sought and not entered into casually. They are sought through discernment, they are sacred and not contractual, and the invitation is to seek, to steward, and to grow spirit-led partnerships prayerfully. Because kingdom partners are carriers of God's DNA, and they are driven by love, and they are based on love. And by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's partnerships that enlarge the body of Christ. Successful partnerships will be driven by a kingdom vision in spite of brands and organizational leaderships, in spite of names and other identities. They'll be sustained by submission in that love, which means we begin to outdo one another in doing good, and God is glorified.
Partnerships have even become more significant and the sending of long-term missionaries going down means it's partnerships that have to take that place. That meaningful application of short-term teams is ever so tricky and it's through aligned partnerships that we get to have sustained impact. So the new landscape mandates for meaningful missions for South and North to go together to serve alongside. It means serving his kingdom. We have to get on the same page and practices and strategies that uphold the interests and the dignity of those we serve and create sustainable impact is what we are invited to. Going together. It is accepting the ongoing change in the current landscape and embracing the opportunity the change is creating. It means recognizing the role of the local church. It means partnering with her and building that institution so that it can be the agent of missions. It's leading in the contextualization of our strategies and services in those local areas and it's working within the local resources. So that when we hand over the projects that we do, they can be supported locally and therefore continue to be ongoing. Partnerships means avoiding paternalistic and demeaning mentalities, especially where power is carried by the service provider. It's easier to go alone. But partnerships are beautiful in the sight of God and they command his blessing. In these, he goes with us. That is partnerships, and it's a response I submit we take, and it's the indicator of the current mission's assignment, partnerships. Secondly, we can respond to what we are hearing today by seeing this as an opportunity to change strategy. A strategy reset. The dilemma we face is whether we hold on to the past, we do more of the same, more of what we've been doing, or stay with that which is familiar, or we get to wrestle with some hard realities and figure out how to reset and align with what God is doing. The Bible says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, we get to pour new wine into new wineskins. This is, this is a hard call because we like our wineskins. Uh, We like our old wine, and we would wish the environment would adjust to us, other than us adjusting to the environment. This strategy reset is an opportunity, and we have engaged it in life in abundance. Three years ago, just before the pandemic, we did a program and governance review after 25 years of integral mission. And what came out of that review informed the implementation of a new, now completed, 
board-led succession plan. It also was through that review that led to the establishment of what we are calling the LIA Global Institute, which is a part of the Ministry of Life in Abundance that is outward-looking beyond our program countries to explore partners that are already doing things that are in line with the will of God and coming alongside them to build their capacity so that they can do more. And that bold and candid review also informed our newly developed five-year strategic plan with new realities now mainstreamed in what we are becoming. The review and reset informed our summits. We held summits with our stakeholders. We met our supporters and we cast vision for this new dynamic. The current mission's assignment for life in abundance is inspired by these realities in a landscape where we are on the front lines, serving the poor and the vulnerable, and that will never change but also taking on others who are also serving the poor and the vulnerable and increasing their zeal, their innovation, and positioning them to do much more. That is through the Global Institute. Let me also share a second example for an organization in Europe that came head-on with this strategy reset opportunity. BMS World Mission is a Baptist Mission Society based in the UK. And this is coming off from their website, so it's public knowledge. They work in 30 countries on four continents. It was founded in 1792 by William Carey, and it is one of the world's oldest Protestant mission organizations. BMS put an announcement on their website saying it is with deep sadness and heavy hearts that we announce the closure of action teams and insight team programs after 30 years of serving hundreds of teams in first-hand cross-cultural experience. They began to wrestle with questions that were surrounding these teams and the questions they were asking themselves were can we work in true intercultural partnership with the church in the global south while also asking her to be a passive recipient of mission teams from the UK? Can we continue to redress the imbalances of financial power while sending affluent teams to work with partners on a short-term basis? The third question they were wrestling with was, how do we prioritize the development of emerging leaders from the global south when our flagship mission or discipleship programs are inaccessible to them? The implications to their strategy was facilitated by the COVID-19 pandemic because it afforded them an opportunity to work on practical solutions to these questions and the benefits that came from working equally with the global church, most notably those that they serve. So it's after wrestling with those questions that BMS came to the challenging conclusion that time. 
and said, the time has indeed come for us to close these programs so that we can embark on a new strategy with an emphasis on growing mission capacity in local contexts. Something that is more sustainable, more equitable, more glorifying to God's global church became their new strategy. And in, indeed informing the programs that they were choosing going forward. So I humbly submit to us that we can respond to what we are hearing today by seeing this as an opportunity to prayerfully review and discern our strategy and consider, as BMS did, what is the Lord inviting us? What is the new wineskin that will contain the wine? And then lastly, our number three possible response is to, this, is to see this as an opportunity that informs our personal cause. In the global changes and the shifting landscape, the commissioning is still go and make disciples of all nations. But we get to appraise what God is doing and how he is inviting us to partner with him. And that appraisal has to be honest and candid if we are going to rise in the current missions landscape with the current missions assignment that aligns with what God is doing and that we can bear fruit, the kind of fruit that lasts. As we, as we surrender to God, he cuts off every branch in us that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it can even bear more, more fruit. So in the new landscape, what are some of the strategies that God is done with and is cutting off? Strategies that cause dependency and hurt dignity. He's cutting off. What is siloed missions without collaboration? Projects that have our name written all over it. That lack of humility, human pride in word and deed, unlike our incarnated Christ. He's cutting off what is impressive in worldly and secular standards, but devoid of his spirit and his power. He's done with us talking about prayer, but not praying. The kind that seeks him with all of our hearts. Our sticking to the old ways and working to maintain those strategies by human efforts. He's done with that. He's done with what is not submitting to Christ, an appearance of missions that is comfortable that is not set apart, that costs nothing and bears no fruit. But what is bearing lasting fruit? Ministry to the whole person, the spiritual and the physical integrated. What is bearing fruit is walking in our identity with boldness, even if it costs us. 
It's what is coming off our knees as we hamper ourselves and pray and seek his face and bringing repentance and inviting him to heal our world. What is bearing fruit is what we are pursuing with a bold biblical approach, without compromise and without fear and without apologies, because our God is God. Holistic impact is a strategy of the season. It is the dispensation that is being accompanied by the presence of God. It's partnering with the local church, his bride, where he's commanding a blessing. The simplicity of what God is blessing in the holistic ministry approaches confounds the wise. Because these are church-based partnerships at the church level or local level. It's what we are doing to train trainers. That empowering process that has sustainable ongoing impact. The building of dignity, doing with people as co-equals the mission of Christ. That genuine participatory friendship, the approaches that plan a handover at the beginning so that it's not based on us. Those approaches that recognize and empower local leadership. Those approaches that are based in prayer. That call to bring forth and establish dignified people who become oaks of righteousness. The going in to break chains and strongholds, and let the captives free, partnering with God who carries out this work in ways that cannot be based on human effort. We get to take this opportunity to appraise our personal cause so that we can submit to the cutting, to the pruning, and the alignment with what God is doing. It's a needed process. And it's what we are being invited to because we have to be unleashed to what we must become. So this is what is confronting us as we begin GMHC 2022. We are first disciples of Jesus Christ before we are anything else that Father defines us. And he says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the westlands. I so strongly feel we are in a defining moment. We are being invited to what God is doing in his world. And as we participate in this conference, Friends, I just emphasize it to us. It's time for partnerships. It's time to review strategy. It's time to inform and appraise our personal core that we may serve God in our time. May God bless you. Wow. 
Well, let me do this for just a brief moment, and then I'm going to send you out of here. Can you just stop before you get everything? I just want you to think of the one thing that you feel like the Lord just said to you. Do you have it? I I don't know if you're note takers. I have more than one thing. Anybody have more than one thing? Um, one of them was uh, the the fact that mission starts with surrender. I loved the picture, and I was thinking about this, and as I was praying over myself and over you. Just the, uh, did anybody else get a picture of the woman who was seen in Ethiopia with the child? Anybody else feel that picture? I started asking the Lord, what's my picture? And what is that, what is that picture that is burned into my mind that continues to call me out into mission? Um, maybe you have one. Maybe it needs to be a fresh picture of what called you the first time. I don't know, but it was interesting to me. His disciples get to hear his voice. Um, this is an opportunity to change strategy. You're about to hear a lot of different things. Just might be time. God does not reveal everything at the start. Can anyone say, yes, Lord? It'd be helpful. What is God cutting off? This one got me. Christianity that costs nothing. We are in a defining moment. I hope that you will uh, receive your defining moment and that you'll step in um, and excited for the next few days. And so let me prepare you for a couple things. Number one.